We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And take a peek at the website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Scott. Morning, Scott. Good to see you all in a uh, seminar on the horizon. Yes, not too, uh, not too far away. It's uh, November 21st. We have not detailed exactly where or when yet. We haven't mm-hmm. got those times. We've we got a few ideas floating right now. But we want to lock those down before we announce them. But yes, it's going to be called Master Your Retirement. Mm-hmm. All those things that we talk about with the Monte Carlo analysis, inflation, can a pension plan, should you wait, should you put it off, putting the plan together, your, your living plan <coughs> assessment score, all going to package that together so you can actually see this. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing to talk about it. It's hard to visualize a Monte Carlo analysis. Like really, what is it? Yes, we understand we do 500 trials. I'm thinking a casino and a boat. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it it sounds a lot more fun than what it is, really. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) Well, possibly if if everything works out, you spend time on that casino or boat, but who knows? (laughs) That's it. That's how it comes around. Unless you're trying to master your retire, then it's not going to be funny at all. It's going to be very Mm -hmm. serious. I hear you. And that's uh, not sure the location this point, but November 21st, make November, sure you yeah. mark that down on your calendar. Absolutely. November 21st. Yeah. All right. Uh, new election, uh, new government, so to speak. Yes. Uh, your thoughts in breaking all this down? Well, yes. As we all know, uh, the liberals have now a minority. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Uh, you know, everybody says, oh, is that scary? What can be done? You know, how does that affect the stock market? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. We, we I just came back from a conference and, and they actually went over the last... 10 minority governments, and there was no, whether it was liberal or, or conservative, right. over since 1936, there's been 10. Mm-hmm. And how, how that new party or the leading party has taken place, and what's the stock market done that first year? Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out that the stock market since 1936 has averaged 12% mm-hmm. per year. And if it was a majority elected, it was only 8%. Really? So it seems that there's checks and balances, perhaps, on uh, what they can do and what mm-hmm. they can't do. And it, hey, it's, or just as maybe prodding to do something. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly sure, but at the end of the day, uh, a, a 4% difference in rate of return on the Toronto stock market. So a, ma- a minority government traditionally has, has delivered uh, more impressive gains on the stock market than a majority. In the first year after elected, yes. In the first year. Yes. First and then year. I guess everything settles down. Then, exactly. After yeah. that, then you look at Normal profitability. Normal market conditions. You, you right, got it. Right, yeah, absolutely. Right. So Why so, is that? Because you think people <clears throat> would feel more secure and relaxed with a majority, no? I mean, isn't there more indecision with a minority, therefore It's actually could be spun the other way, Scott. Yeah. There might be actually, you know, more, there's more checks and balances. So yeah. they can't do anything such as... Yeah. You know, pharmacare, for example, would be extremely expensive. Yeah. Well, it might be tailored Extreme back taxation of some kind. Right. Yeah. Extreme <coughs> taxation or, or social cutting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, what would that affect? And maybe there's more people that will be, say, on, on government welfare, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, there's yin and yang on all sorts of a yeah. different, you know, different events. And especially on the wealth tax, we talked about that in the last show. Right. You know, how far can you go in, in taxing the wealthy? Mm-hmm. So at the end of it, so maybe nobody's really feeling vulnerable as a result. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so this, uh, it might be a, a good balance to me. I thought, uh, 
uh, you know, personally, I was ho- kind of hoping for a conservative minority because mm-hmm. um, I thought it, but a minority, I think in this particular case, is going to be really good. And, and considering you look at the line drawn in the sand between East and West. Yeah, it is unbelievable. Wow. We did a show this past week uh, linking our Calgary station with our station. Interesting. And did the two shows for an hour, and we took callers from out west, and it was boom, boom, boom. It was, they they are very upset. I could imagine. And so here's exactly the whole point. Everything will have to be muted. Yeah. Yeah. So because you got, as you got a whole country here, you don't want to divide it. So these type of things, actually some, um, you know, sane minds will hopefully prevail, and that will be good for the stock market. It'll be interesting to see if a pipeline gets built. Well, apparently, uh, so far, so good on that, but who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Because yeah. uh, uh, you're absolutely right. When you put that line in the sand, yeah. east and west, it's uh, it's going to be it's a tricky one. This uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to, you know, bring my show into yours at all. <laughs> <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> yeah. No, no, it's interesting. And But again, at the end of the day, people's finances, uh, I know we always talk long-term, and you know, talk long-term. It's not about, okay, who got elected. At the end of the day, it is about profitability of companies. Right. And oil companies are a huge part of the Toronto stock market in mm-hmm. resource companies. So we still have to be cognizant of, if you're going to look at the Canadian stock market, you got to still look after the natural resource side of our country. And, that, and that's part <clears throat> of it. So it's yeah. climate versus, versus uh, you know, the resource side. And Again, interesting. we had this discussion all week on the show, and I think we've all got the message from climate change mm-hmm. because we've been bombarded with it forever. So I I think we know about climate change. I think the problem is we don't know, we don't agree on the way to fix it. We don't agree on, on, uh, you know, whether it's taxing the heck out of the average Joe, trying to get them to change uh, to an alternative form of transportation that doesn't exist yet, or whether it's encouraging companies to put more money into research and development into order in order to find a sustainable renewable form of energy that we can actually uh, turn into a reality. And those are actually the two platforms right yeah, there. Yeah, those are yeah. the exact two platforms. Yeah. And and somehow the answer is right in, in between the middle. There, yeah. Right and, in the middle. And there's the minority government right yeah, there. Yeah, so there you go. let's hope they find a good solution. Yeah. But again, for those listeners, don't be too worried. It, uh, it usually seems to be a good thing, which mm-hmm. actually I was surprised at too. And I didn't realize the research went that far and there's only that been does surprise 10. me yeah mm-hmm. yeah i was actually waiting for okay it's yeah. down a bit but it's yeah. actually up hmm. so if based on the liberal platform though there were a few things and one was the basic personal amount was going to be um a rise two thousand dollars on a personal level to fifteen thousand before paying income tax i know andy and i had this show and say in ontario you don't pay because of provincial credits you don't pay tax of fifteen thousand anyway yeah. but if you raise the basic exemption on the, on the federal side, it still puts money in your pocket. Yeah. <coughs> and it works out to about $300 tax savings per person, mm-hmm. $585 per family of two, okay, two income earners. But this is the interesting part of this. That was only for people that earn less than $150,605. So if you earned over that, you did not know, you no longer got this extra yeah. $300. Right. Okay, you didn't get that exemption. In fact, if you made over... 214, so it was a sliding scale. Once you made right. 150,605, you slowly lost it until your income was over 214,000. Mm-hmm. So again, doesn't affect too many people. What I found interesting though is this is what was called the middle class, now up to 150,605. Yeah. So they did put a number to they what middle class. They finally put classes. a number to it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Because it was only for the low and middle class. Mm-hmm. And that would now say, well, I guess middle class starts at 150. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so considered individual income or individual? Family? <coughs> individual. Right. So uh, 
Yeah, interesting. Um, hey, nobody, nobody will turn down five hundred eighty-five dollars per family, no. and that will be used for other things. So that's, you know, great for them and great for Canadians to get this extra uh, six hundred bucks in their pocket. Student loans is an interesting one. Um, if you're coming out of school and you have a student loan, you don't have to start making payments now until your income's over three thirty-five thousand dollars. Hmm. Okay. Is I, that over life? Uh, yes. <laughs> Actually, yes. It just never worked out for me. <laughs> yes, that's right. Just stayed under 35. I'm very well educated, but unemployed. I'm making 34999 I know do not have to make a payment on my student loan. That's it. Now, what makes it also interesting, let's say you did make 50000 and then you lost your job and you went back to under thirty-five. Mm-hmm. It, there's a pause button. Oh. You get to now be, don't the have to make a payment. kids love that. Now, what I didn't, and I did, I, I scoured through many articles trying to find it. Do they charge interest during that time? And I'm, the only thing I can answer, why the fact they? I didn't see it, yeah. was that they do charge interest. Yeah, why wouldn't they? And uh, do you know what the interest rate is on these student loans on the federal no. level? It is prime plus two and a half. Hmm. So not terrible, but again, six and a half percent. So right now, 50% of graduates have a student debt. Mm-hmm. Of those 50%, the average student debt, what would you guess that would be? 25 grand. Wow. 30 grand. Look at you two. Let's cut it right in the middle. <laughs> 27,929. I'm, I'm giving Andy a knuckle bump now. <laughs> oh, I went over though. You lower, <laughs> lower over. Who won <laughs> this right. one? Um, you know, so here you are with, to call it $28,000 of debt at 6.45%. That works out to $1,800 of interest a year if you're not paying it down at all. And that works out to $150 per month. And if it's compounded while you're not making. Yeah. For the next 25 years. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's fairly significant. Um, but again, it's always nice not to have to make payments because you don't have the money. You can't take blood from a stone. Yeah. And so I guess this is what they're thinking. At least we put a pause on this. And if you drop under the 35000 you can hold back. It does allow, what it does for students is what would happen is they incur other debt instead to pay this mm. debt. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So if you end up with credit card debt at, at 18% or 20% because you have to make your student loan payment, then this is a far better option. So mm. again, fairly low interest rates for our students. Now, the other one, they I guess they want um, some parents to have kids because what they have done for those kids that have a student loan, including ones that currently have a student loan, they can stop making payments and it's interest-free. Hmm. Okay. So that's a, and, and up, up until the child hits age of five. Say that again. So if you had a student loan. Yeah. And you're a parent. And you just became a parent. A, with right. a child. <coughs> and, the, and now you, uh, for the next five years, you can put your student loan on pause mm. until the child hits five years old. Then it's back to work and so forth and everything else. Are we worried that this might push off paying back student loans? In other words, that's not a priority. Oh, for sure, it's pushing it off, and you wouldn't want to pay it off while you're. You'd rather, you know, yeah. you got day- daycare costs and yeah, other things. Yeah, is what yeah. they're thinking. So yeah. that extra money will go to daycare, right? And it's a ta- tax-free. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, really, our our population growth is we're not replacing our population no, we're right not. now. Yeah. So again, they're more babies. Things. Yeah, yeah, that's a great <laughs> great incentive of kids. Um, high income earners, if you're thinking of buying a boat, a personal aircraft. Or a personal aircraft, a car that costs over a hundred thousand dollars. You better buy it now, really. Okay, 
because they are talking. And again, these are all things that there was on the election platform mm-hmm. that the Liberals were, were talking about. It'll be interesting what happens, particularly in a minority government, which ones get passed, which ones don't. But there could be a 10% luxury tax. So if you buy a $100,000 car, you would end up paying a $10,000 luxury tax. Even on a Tesla? Yes. Mm-hmm. If you buy a $999,999 car, you pay no luxury tax. I'm not getting the floor mats. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. There's going to be a lot of people hugging that 100000 Yeah, really. So, <laughs> uh, so that's uh, a little bit something for the high-income earners. You may want to think, well, I was going to buy one anyway. I better do it now before this. they take this in place. Two other quick things I'll hit right after the break. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. There you can listen to old archive shows and as well ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. We're breaking down the election and everything that falls out after it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the tax side of this. You know, they've talked about a ton of issues. But I'm just going to go over kind of how would it affect the average Canadian tax-wise. Can I mm-hmm. come back to that uh, new car, new boat yes. thing over 100000 I was question was, does that apply to used vehicles or used boats as well? And that's funny you asked that. I got a, l- a little note here, Andy, and I was thinking uh-huh. I should mention this because I could not find anything that differentiated the two. So if it right. didn't affect used boats or cars or aircraft, then everybody would be looking for used ones, which again then increases the price of used ones. Yes. But mm-hmm. yes. um, it's, uh, I don't know. Personally, I don't think that one's going to go through. Right, I think it right. would be a hard one to yeah. put through because that hurts a lot of manufacturing too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and there's a lot of jobs tied to manufacturing. Yeah, good point. So <clears throat> if you all of a sudden it's a $200,000 boat mm-hmm. and that's built in Canada and you're going to charge $20,000 extra for that, which is after tax money to buy this. Well, people say, you know what? I think I'll buy used if yeah. it still works or yeah. I'll just yeah. forget it until yeah. they change this rule. Mm. Well, I know, I know of a client who was looking at a boat in that price range and there were, when the tariffs came on last year, yeah. Uh, they actually canceled their order, mm-hmm. you know, and it was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so that's significant. Price up. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's significant to the economy. Yeah, that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't help the economy a lot no. at all. So you look at, in particular, you know, the boats that are somewhat custom and the amount of people that work on those, that's a lot of jobs yes. to yeah. put those oh, yeah. through. Oh, they, they take months to build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So no, quite, quite good question. I, and I, they didn't specify used or new in anything I read. Now, this one's a good one. Um, old age security increase for seniors over 75. We've talked about, Andy and I, about longevity and that being a risk. Obviously, the Liberal government was listening to this, these, our conversations. I guess they're listening to our show, Andy. Yeah. Longevity yeah. risk yeah. is the biggest risk, as we've always said. Yep. You know, inflation and longevity kind of go hand in hand. Well, they will be increasing, if they do what they said was on their platform, from... Currently, the maximum um, old age security is $613.53 a month. They will be moving that to $729 per month if you're over the age of 75. Mm-hmm. So they give them a little bump up. Um, 
obviously there's some concern they're running out of money and that extra hundred and sixteen dollars is uh hey times two if there's two people in the household yeah and it just uh, you know that helps out a little bit so i think that's a i have no issue with that at all i think it's a great thing um number six increase canada pension plan survivor this is an area again Andy and i've talked about many times it is not great the cpp survivors is not very good at all i think they should revamp that totally anyway they're looking at increasing it up to two thousand dollars per year more for the survivor mm -hmm. what they didn't say in here is currently if two two spouses have maximized their canada pension plan um, and let's say the maximum is 1100 a month mm -hmm. and they're both getting their 1100 dollars a month and one of them dies there's the remaining spouse, the surviving spouse will not get one penny of survivor's Canada pension plan, mm. even though they paid the same premiums as anybody else has paid, right. but they don't get any benefit. The survivor will not get uh, any more benefit. If one was a stay-at-home mother or dad and had no and did not work, they would get the full Canada pension plan survivors, which would be about 60%. Right. So they get $700 a month. So anyway, a uh, bit of a bone contention here because... Um, I know this was in discussion for both the, you know, the liberals were talking about, but also conservatives were saying, well, let, let's look at the bigger picture and, and maybe we should change the whole survivor thing altogether. But at the fact they're even talking about CPP and OAS, um, I think it's great. Mm -hmm. uh, the conversations are out there, so they know it's an issue. And uh, seniors, uh, particularly can a pension plan because you've contributed it to it. It's not income tested. Mm -hmm. So no matter how well you're doing in, in retirement, you get Canada Pension Plan. Mm. Old age security, uh, once you're making over that 76000 a year, you start to get clawed back. Right. And even if you're 75 and you're making over that amount, you will get this clawed back, the extra bark clawed back. Mm -hmm. So those are the, uh, the kind of the six points of, of the budget that could affect the average Canadians. Well, I guess time will tell which ones uh, make it through and which ones don't make it through. Boy, I just I suddenly feel bad if somebody had ordered a car that's mm. now over 100000 waiting for it to arrive and thinking, hopefully that because they've already put the money down that it's yes. uh, oh, yeah. well, it's yes, still maybe Because sometimes it takes a year before you know you can get a vehicle depending right. on what mm -hmm. you're looking for. I, yeah, you'd, th you'd think it wouldn't be retroactive. You'd think it would be a certain day like January 1st. All right, any and then contracts. there'll be a rush of orders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll see. But, yeah. uh, and, uh, so this is the tax planning part, but you know, tax planning... It goes hand in hand with estate planning. I know and Andy has a discussion here. Yeah, I just wanted to take uh, take our listeners through a sort of case study <clears throat> that came up last week, um, and and it and it really opens up a lot of can of worms here in terms of a discussion that we had on the radio a couple of weeks ago about joint ownership, mm -hmm. the ins and outs of joint ownership, but uh, and and how that sort of spilled into this story as well. But it, it to me, this is just indicative of how many traps there can be around estate planning and around trying to avoid probate tax, income tax, yeah. from an estate, all of that. So <clears throat> if I roll us back two years ago, I was introduced to um, a, a woman who is 65, and she uh, introduced me to her mother, <clears throat> and they uh, both became clients. And so, and then eventually the, uh, the granddaughter became a client. Mm -hmm. So grandmother uh, is widowed, and uh, she's uh, 95 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, her daughter, my, the, the client is, uh, 65 years old 
and the granddaughter's 35 years old. So it's about 30, 30 years between all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so the grandmother at age 95 at this point was widowed. She owned her own home and she was living in that home by herself mm-hmm. and still maintaining and living independently. And, uh, and it's just in her name. And it was worth, probably it's here in Hamilton, I think it was worth just roughly about $600,000. And um, at the time she had said, you know, I want to stay in my home as long as possible. Yeah. And Don, I know you and I have heard that yes. story. Yes. <clears throat> uh, of course, from every, almost everybody kind of thinks about that as a, as a goal. But obviously she knew that at some point, you know, she is getting up there in age. And uh, if she had to leave the home and sell it, she wanted to give half to her daughter and half the proceeds to her granddaughter. Now, it's interesting, the, the daughter, uh, who's 65, is married, and uh, still married, and uh, had the one daughter, just one child, and the, the granddaughter, who's 35, is also married, and has one child. So they, uh, and the granddaughter is actually a, um, a physician, mm-hmm. so living in Toronto. So the grandmother, um, uh, of course, wanted you know, to help out the only granddaughter that she has by giving her half this uh, money from her home. And she doesn't really need it in terms of her ongoing care, she right. figured at that point, because she also had some other investments as we'll talk about in a second as well. So she was concerned about marriage breakdown and that's for the granddaughter, mm. right? So you think, well, 50%, roughly 50% of marriage is ending in divorce. If I'm giving roughly 300,000 to my granddaughter and then suddenly the uh, ex-son-in-law becomes, mm. uh, you know, <clears throat> takes off yeah. with 300 grand, she wasn't going to be very happy about that. So that was an ongoing concern and there were some discussions around that as well. So, uh, Interesting enough, I'd say about 18 months ago, so now we'll flash forward a little bit, but about 18 months ago, uh, grandmother started to have some memory fail, right? So now she was starting cognitively, she was starting right. to kind of lose it a bit, and but with the support of her daughter who lived here in Hamilton, she was able to maintain herself in the home and everything was still fine and, and, uh, and her wishes to stay in the home as long as possible were fulfilled. Now we come to six months ago, and now grandmother has uh, been failing on a regular basis uh, and needs almost 24-hour care right. to be safe. And so she was uh, moved into a long-term care facility. Now, when you are starting to have memory loss or dementia or any kind of cognitive issue, you're going to have good days yeah. and you're going to have bad days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bad days where you don't remember people mm-hmm. and good days where you remember things, right? So she was certainly still aware that now her home was going to be sold and there would be days where they would talk about that, that the home's going to be sold and, oh, she, you know, can I still get 50, I'd like to give half of it to my granddaughter and half of it to my daughter. And, um, uh, so now we're just at the point where the home has been sold. Mm -hmm. It was listed, sold Mm -hmm. within several days. And, uh, and now the proceeds are going to be, uh, the house closes at the end of November. Mm And, um, so now the concern is with the lawyer, uh, how do we do, and this is now the mother, sorry, the, the, the daughter, uh, the 65 year old is also power of attorney. Mm-hmm. So she's the only, only daughter power of attorney. She's also the only beneficiary in grandmother's will. Mm-hmm. So grandmother left everything to the, to the daughter in her will. Um, other than the house. Well, the house 
if she had died in the house, then the house would have been sold and it all would have gone through the will to her daughter, right? Right, Not the granddaughter. So the, the, the desire to gift half of the proceeds of the house to the granddaughter was just a verbal discussion mm-hmm. with the granddaughter and her daughter. So nothing was written down on paper that this is what she wanted to do, but this was her intentions while she was still alive. Mm -hmm. Now the will only deals with the assets once she's dead. So we're now sitting with a $600,000 asset and the lawyer is under normal circumstances, the home is just in grandmother's name. Under normal circumstances, the the, the lawyer, the estate lawyer is going to issue a check in the name of grandmother to be deposited based right. on the proceeds of the home. Yeah. So 600,000 less the commissions and everything else, yeah. it's now hers, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so a power of attorney, <clears throat> the power of attorney, the, the daughter, cannot gift half the money to the granddaughter because under the rules of power of attorney, when someone doesn't have capacity to make the decision, you can't gift the capital right. while they're alive. You can only deal with it through the will at death. And uh, has the grandmother progressed so much that now that decision can't be made? This or? is where we're at, right. right? So now she's progressed to the point where there's fewer, there's very few good days right. and they're mostly <clears throat> bad days. Right. And, um, but the interesting thing about capacity, and again, we're not lawyers, but we talk about this in general, is that capacity is not overall capacity, it's capacity in the day of the decision is made. To understand. Well, to happening. understand what is going on. So, um, so the, the thought around the, the but then, then this brought in the concern about the marriage breakdown. So if she, if she did have capacity and she could say, yes, I want to gift half this money to my granddaughter, um, the lawyer might advise her to say, well, if you make it an outright gift, now it's going to be subject to marital division mm-hmm. under the, um, uh, the, uh, the Family Law Act. So you might want to consider doing it as a loan. And we certainly would need to write up some kind of letter of direction saying that, um, uh, you know, this money was a, uh, intended as and a- And that keeps <clears throat> it in her hands? Keeps it in the granddaughter's hands. Yeah. But uh, is, does she have the capacity to sign that and right. understand what she's doing? Right. Um, but the second thing with that then is that often when someone uh, ends up loaning money- to a child, and this is often done if people are going to buy a house or, you know, just as a way to avoid the uh, Family Law Act, that the concern is, will it stand up in court? But the loan, what happens when grandmother dies? More often, the case is that the loan is forgiven. Right. So grandmother's 95, granddaughter's 35. If she had the capacity to gift granddaughter 300000 right now, do it in the form of a loan to protect the asset, but then in her will says it's forgiven, well, it could be three years from now, so we're back to square one, where yeah. now the money's back in the hands of the family again, right. yeah. and it could be a subject to division. So then the thought became, well, why not gift it all to the daughter, <clears throat> who could then make the loan to the granddaughter? I wrote that down. Okay. Could then make the loan to the granddaughter. Uh and then, right, set it up so that during her lifetime, which is hopefully another 20 years, they'll know whether the marriage is going to sort of stick together or not. So basically take it out of the grandmother's hands and just into the daughter. Daughter's hands. Right. Now, but the issue with that is that if the mother's grandmother's wishes were that half go to each, 
once the once that money's gifted to daughter, there's no guarantee there's no, yeah. that she will give half yeah. to granddaughter. Yeah. Now we're thinking about the again, people go, well, that doesn't make sense because there's only one beneficiary and daughter only had one beneficiary. Like, get it what? anyway. They're going to get it anyway, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, this is the argument that everybody makes. And the courts say, well, that's fine, but that doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen, yeah. right? And who knows what could change? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, daughter ends up getting divorced yeah. and suddenly now the 300 grand is split anyway or a 600 grand is split. So there's all kinds of ramifications to this. So we, this falls into what we talk about in, in our world, the senior financial abuse area of the financial services industry, which is a whole area designed to prevent or protect vulnerable seniors or vulnerable individuals from financial abuse. And it's, it's often financial abuse from family, mm-hmm. but we often hear about scams and everything yeah, else yeah. as well. And it can also be financial abuse from financial institutions as well. Sure. So, um, it's a really tricky situation. Uh, the, now, the grandmother also had a joint account that she established with the daughter 10 years ago while she had capacity, which has about $400,000 of savings. So that's part of going to look after her during her long-term care stay and pay for her care. But um, the And the question, though, the interesting part about that is when we looked at it, it's not a pure joint ownership arrangement, which we talked about last week, in that what it is, is that the daughter's name is on grandmother's account, but it's simply a resulting trust. And why it's a resulting trust is because grandmother has been reporting all of the investment income along the way. Mm. So she's been reporting all the T3s and all the T5s and paying tax on all of that along the way. So she never created a true joint ownership arrangement where they would split the investment income on the account. Mm -hmm. So even that account is not part uh, is not jointly owned by the daughter to be able to do something with. It's actually still the grandmother's account. Right. So, <clears throat> boy, we really did enter into a real uh, uh, pit, if you will, yeah. of, of issues. And um, so we finally got to the point where we had to come up with what's the best situation or what are the best odds? And I'll tell you what the answer to that is when we come back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. 905-529-7165. Call now. Leave a message. They'll get back to you. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. We're talking about estate planning. Yeah, I was just sort of taking you through this whole situation with a 95-year-old, a 65-year-old, and a 35-year-old, and just the, the, the nuances of how it can be so complicated to do something that should be so simple, yeah. and just to protect everybody involved and by the letter of the law. And so as it came down to it, probably... There's going to be two scenarios how this is going to unfold. Scenario number one is when grandmother meets with the real estate lawyer to finalize the distribution of the sale proceeds that if she has a good day and she understands and the lawyer does the proper assessment to determine that, then maybe the money is given to the daughter who could then subsequently enter into a loan agreement with the granddaughter to protect the 300,000. If it's a bad day and she can't make that decision and there isn't capacity, then the full 600000 is going to have to go into the bank account of grandmother. 
it will be invested for her and looked after by daughter, the power of attorney, and then at death, daughter can distribute 300000 to granddaughter, yeah. which at 95, we don't know how long it's going to be, but mm. you know, it, maybe it's five years, maybe yeah. it's one year. But yeah. at the end of the day, there's sort of two cases. Mm. Uh, I'll let you know what happens in December. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and it's interesting. This whole, this whole area is, unfortunately, there's whole departments at different financial institutions. And I know investors on you know, IG Wealth Management has the same department. And uh, we actually have a mailbox just for this. So if, you know, when dealing with clients, if we feel, because we have, you know, great relationships with our clients, we, if we feel there's something wrong or a little off, we, we have a mailbox that we can say, what, what are the next steps? So it's literally, it's for seniors and vulnerable client financial abuse mailbox. Yeah. And unfortunately, we have to have these things because there's, um, you know, with different scams, um, we, we question things. And, and unfortunately, you look at people right now, there's 500,000 people in Canada that are experiencing some sort of dementia. Yeah. They expect that to rise to 930,000 by 2031. Mm-hmm. So this, this problem is only going to get bigger yeah. as, as mental capacity has good and bad days, as Andy mentioned, exactly. but you just don't know. And then you look at power of attorneys and when there's money involved, it can get tricky. And even the, the power of attorney that uh, is, is dedicated to that client, which usually springs into operation if there's diminished capacity, some of those may go awry too. Yeah. And they, they cannot change beneficiaries. They cannot change ownership to themselves. They cannot change your will. There's certain things they can't do, but they honestly can't can sign. make gifts. They can't, yes, they can't make gifts. They, they can only do certain things, but boy, will they sometimes try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. In fact, uh, we, there was a story I heard during the conference um, of somebody, of a power of attorney saying, I want to cha- I want my, all the money now. Mm-hmm. And they said, something's up. So the consultant says, no, and it didn't make sense for this client because it's something they wouldn't do. Eventually, they ended up moving it in kind because it was going to attract a lot of income tax by mm-hmm. selling all their investments. And they didn't really trust this power of attorney. Why would they all want to sell their investments in one lump sum? Something's up. It just didn't make sense. It's yeah. nothing that the client would ever do. Um, but now that the power of attorney can sign, they would. So what uh, you know, IG ended up doing was they transferred it in kind to another institution and then let them worry about it. Yeah. Hopefully they have the same safeguards mm-hmm. that we do, but we can't hold the money forever, yeah. but we did our best. But IG literally will tr- call trustees. Mm-hmm. They'll even call the police if, if need be. And we have right on our applications a contact person um, in case they feel that there is elder abuse. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Thank yeah. goodness. Well, and as I was thinking about making this gift to the granddaughter, um, one of the things that as, as a listener, when you gift money to your son or daughter or a grandparent giving, gifting money to a, a grandchild who's married and you're concerned about protecting or marital breakdown, there are six key things that that child who receive that adult child who receives this gift or an inheritance must do in order to make sure it doesn't get divided based on the Family Law Act. Number one is keep the asset in their own name. Mm-hmm. Making their spouse or, or, or adding a co- co-owner opens up the asset to equalization, yeah. no doubt about it. Number two, do not invest the asset or that gift in the family home. Mm-hmm. In Ontario, it's a done deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you, even under, with a written agreement, it is still going to be a bit of a challenge as to how that's going to, whether that would be uh, divided or not. Number three, do not change the form of the asset into a family asset. 
either by selling or purchasing of a family asset or exchange for a family asset. Number four, if the gift is or his inheritance is money, do not put the money in a shared bank account that is used for any family purpose. So you might say, well, oh, that you know, they gave me $25,000, I put it in our bank account, and then I moved it into an investment in our name, in my own name, I mean. Yeah. Well, that's not going to fly. It has to start right away in a oh. separate, completely separate so account. So even if it went, just that stop Can't even go into that, can't even go into an account that it was in your name yeah. that you used for paying family bills. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Number five, if the form of the asset is changed, be sure to retain evidence of how the gift or the inheritance was used to acquire the new asset so that the exemption may be proven through tracing. And number six, ensure that when the gift is received, there are there is a statement made by the donor in their intention for the gift only to benefit one spouse. So what the heck do you do with the money? <laughs> <laughs> By the time you get it, yeah. it's too late. But yeah. <laughs> but these are all the those are the six key things when we're talking joint ownership. All right, gifts. Right. We are planning your. You know what? We should give this seminar a data yes. plug again. Yeah, back to November twenty first, mastering your retirement. Going to go through all the aspects of trying to get your retirement paycheck. How to make it tax efficient so that you're making all those decisions of when should I take my Canada pension plan? Is there a best way to withdraw the RSPs so I don't pay 53.5%? We are going to put all the pieces of the puzzle together, at least discuss them. Of course, we can't do that. The actual putting the pieces mm-hmm. of the puzzle together until we meet people in person, but at least you know what the pieces are. And that, you know what? That's the biggest start is at least you know the, what you need to look at. So and you can that ask is, the right questions. And that is November 21st and the locations uh, to be announced. Yes. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. All right, a IG living plan snapshot. Yes. Should we get together or? Uh, yeah, sure. Let me I'll lean it. in here. <laughs> <laughs> Selfie. This right. is hot off the press on the website two weeks ago. It is, uh, you know, you go to investorsgroup.com and you scroll down. IGwealthmanagement.com. Yes, that will also do it. <laughs> uh, and either or actually, we'll That's get true. you to the same That's one true. still. And once you go there and you can look, go down to the IG Living Plan Snapshot. And this is great because Andy and I have been talking about the financial well-being score. And when, what this score is, is very in-depth. Mm-hmm. There is uh, algorithms that figure out this score. It is not just this Mickey Mouse number that came up to make you feel good or, you, or not. It's, mm. They actually weight it based on age, based on importance, on things such as your cash flow, preparing for the unexpected, major expenses, optimizing your retirement, and sharing wealth. So they take all those five key areas, and depending on your stage in life, what is your score? And where is their improvement? And they actually rank each one, but then give you an overall ranking based on how important each of those are. Um, Really cool. And I, I look at this and I think, okay, Andy and I go through what's called a personal financial review. This gets all the data in detail. Then from there, we can create this personal financial plan, which great detail um, goes to the Monte Carlo analysis, all the things that we talk about. But now you've taken that and it creates this, this financial well-being score and finds out which holes there are. And really powerful to see this. 
Now, that's the long version. This is what a real plan will look like. Mm-hmm. However, for those people that want to say, I, you know, I don't want to go check out this uh, living, IG living plan snapshot, go on there. I literally was playing around with it a little bit. And just for example, you go through, uh, for example, uh, optimizing retirement is the first one that comes up. They'll ask for your age. Are you retired? When will you retire? How much is your savings now? Uh, how much are you going to save per year? And they'll go through on your cash flow, how much you save per month, what you, how much you, do you have a mortgage? So they go through everything. I know it's not, and they have ranges because yeah. a lot of people, this may be, oh, this is too much work. Yeah. Seriously, it is not hard. No. Uh, it's very simple to kind of go through it. It's a it. snapshot. It is a snapshot. But what it will do is saying, you be honest, for most people say, wow, I really should be speaking to an advisor because I'm a little weak in, say, my sh- um, optimizing my retirement. I'm a little weak there. What what are the areas to optimize this? Because at the end of the day, we need to find the most tax efficient tax efficient strategies to make this all work. And where are you going to get the funds to do this? And what's more important? What's less important? And prioritizing this, and and to get a hundred percent on this, I don't know if that's even possible. Mm-hmm. But to get in, say eighty plus, that's quite possible. And for those listeners out there, right after the show, just just go to our, our general website. Um, and scroll down and, and start using this plan. You've you've done uh, you've gone through this yourself, Andy. I have. I've gone. I've done it myself, and I've also been um, uh, presenting the findings for clients at meetings now. And one of the things that I find very valuable with this process is that that trying to quantify the value of advice that a financial planner brings to the table when it comes to your financial well-being, your financial confidence, is always very difficult. Right? Yeah. We're we're doing our job. We're we're, we're trying to minimize tax, as Don talks about. We're trying to identify the, the areas of opportunities. And then we're trying to execute and get these things done. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's one thing to have an idea. It's another thing to actually get it done and yeah. get it in place. <clears throat> because it takes, long, it takes a long time sometimes and perseverance yeah. to actually change your financial direction <clears throat> and get things in place. So I love the idea that we can actually put a number to how successful we are together uh, in our collaboration with you to, to make sure that your financial well-being is, is improving and that, uh, that we're unfo- uncovering opportunities that we can then implement and execute to actually build on your score. But this is something that IG is doing that no other company is doing. And why that's, imp- why that's significant to me is that nobody else is willing to quantify what their advisors are doing mm. in terms of adding value. Mm. But we're putting a number to it, yeah. and, and I'm really excited about that. Yeah, it still comes down to having a comprehensive financial plan. Yeah. You know what's interesting? <laughs> At the end of the day, product A versus product B, they're not going to be much difference. Yeah. You get you tailor-make your investment plan. That is definitely part of the plan. That's what Andy and I also bring the ta- uh, to the table. But are you doing a proper tax plan? Are you doing a proper retirement plan? What's your insurance plan look like? What's your estate plan look like? How is your cash flow? That all is part of a true financial plan. Because interestingly enough, that those investments are investments, and we'll, trust me, we'll do a great job with those. But those investments be a lot larger, okay? You're going to have a lot more net worth if you do the other portions yeah, properly. Yeah. And this is where you need to have a proper plan. And absolutely, Andy said, hit the nail on the head. We are, there's no other company out there that is actually doing this. And what I like about it, it takes a very complicated process mm-hmm. and puts it on mm-hmm. one page. Yeah. So that at the end of the day, you look at this and you say, wow, okay, I need to talk to, 
Don or Andy about this because I'm definitely short on this or I haven't done a proper estate plan. Um, and we've talked about, you know, wills and power of attorneys and, and elder abuse. How do you, that's, these are just so many conversations that we can have, but this is really, it triggers all these conversations so that when you come to the meeting, you can already have done this plan yourself mm-hmm. yeah. and it's a bit of a rudimentary one. It's a start and then we'll find tailor make it to really see how can we improve that score for you. So super excited about this. This here is again, just on the general website, but from there, we're gonna, get, we're gonna find out a true financial well-being score and create a plan to make this score even better for you. And I think that's key too, right? Because it becomes kind of like that annual doctor visit where we can go back and we Absolutely. can check <clears throat> as a baseline, how are you doing mm-hmm. and have we improved or has something changed and you've gone down in an area? Yes. So we've got something to be able to measure this and make it um, ascertain exactly where we need to focus and what the progress has been. But we won't hear the snap of a rubber glove in a meeting with Don and Andy. <laughs> Snapshot. Oh, Snapshot. Snap I'm yes. sorry. I got my hearing there. <laughs> All right. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Thanks very much, everybody.